0: Thanks all for coming. I'm a little taller than that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to understand your word. Give us wisdom, give us understanding. You told us to ask, so we're asking. Holy Spirit, please help us to receive your word. Prepare our hearts to be good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. So, John 21. 1 to 14, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, he showed himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we go with thee. We go, Sir, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he gird his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciple came in a little ship, for they were not far from land. But, it, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes, as soon as they were come to the land to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, "Bring of the fish which you now caught." Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, "Come and dine." And none of the disciples durst ask him. Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. After that, he was risen from the dead. You have to to pray for me as I'm trying to study this and um, make it small, uh, I'm, I struggle. I keep, I'm in there trying to snip it apart and I'm adding verses instead of bringing it smaller. So please pray for me on that one. I, I do struggle with that. Verse 1 says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. He showed himself to his disciples. Jesus is in the business of revealing. He's in the business of revealing himself to his disciples, those who follow and trust in him. Mark 4, 11 to 12 says, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that with, uh, without are these things done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins forgiven them. The passage of Scripture from 1 to 14 begins and ends with he showed himself to his disciples. So there's a miracle in the middle of it, but the point is he's going to reveal himself. That's what Jesus does. In fact, every time the New Testament discusses a mystery, it is being revealed, not hidden. So if you go in your Bible and look up the word mystery, every time it's there, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Okay, it's going to have the mystery explained, it's not hidden. And we could do like a whole sermon on a series on just revealing mysteries in the Bible. Um, we don't have time for that, so I won't. Romans sixteen twenty five twenty seven 25, says, uh, Now to him that is a, of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, that means to reveal, of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Another example, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Ephesians 1, 8-10, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Colossians one twenty five to 25-28, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery... Which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory and the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Keep going. Every time you find mystery, it's revealing, it's explaining. Christianity is not secretive or esoteric. It's not a hidden religion. That's the enemy's way. So if you see a religion or you see something going on that's secretive, that's a flag. Jesus told us that a wise man builds his house upon a rock, and Jesus Christ is that rock. In fact, Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty-two says, our rock is not as their rock. That is capital R. Our rock is Jesus Christ. Sand moves. Changes. God says that he never changes. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Doesn't change. God doesn't change. In fact, if you look in the scriptures, you're going to find lots of words that have three letters in them. S-T-A. S-T-A like Right now, I'm standing. That's stand firm. Establish. Establish. Six times in Genesis, God says he established his covenant. He doesn't move. He's stable, isn't he? S- Jesus was born in a stable. I don't think that's an accident, actually. <laughs> that's um, Standard. That's found 22 times in the scriptures. Statutes is another word for precepts. Laws. James one seventeen says every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God steadfast, right? Amen? It's not moving. He establishes his word, his promises, and he himself doesn't change. On the other hand, false religions, they change. Here's just a, a, a couple. I won't go through my whole list that I wrote. Masonry is filled with secrets. Anybody's had any relatives that have been in masonry or been in masonry themselves, they know the whole thing is tears full of secrets and lies. And they'll tell you a, a secret. We'll explain the secret to you. You go up to the next level, they well, we lied to you. This is really what it meant. And the next level, 33 levels, and each time they're telling you a lie. Wicca, all done secret in secret and darkness. Vatican, use Latin, for centuries to keep everybody else in the dark and they have a whole building full of secrets they don't want everybody to know Mormonism basically copies what masonry does the watchtower society doesn't keep the same doctrine it continuously changes Proverbs five six says the way of the adulterous woman her ways are movable that thou canst not know them don't be seduced by the adulterous woman Today, more than ever, there are false doctrines being slammed at us and pushed on us and pushed on us. Be careful. If they're changing, if they're like the serpent's path, which isn't straight, it's crooked, don't follow it. Jesus shows himself. He reveals himself. It's not a secretive religion. You can trust in Jesus And you know that what he says is going to happen because his promises are sure. Jesus showed himself again because God is a God of patterns. Have you noticed that he patterns himself for the scriptures? He's consistent, he's the author of life, he's not the author of confusion. He speaks twice. In Job thirty three, fourteen, for God speaketh once, yea twice, yet man perceiveth it not. Are you gonna probably find through scriptures that he says it one time, then he says it again? Oh yeah. And if you're wanting to base a doctrine on anything, you better have it twice, right? Two times. Maybe three, maybe four more, but at least twice. How about two or three witnesses? How many times in the Bible do we see by two or by three witnesses? At the mouth of two or three witnesses shall, uh, shall he be that be worthy of death be put to death? You can't even kill somebody unless you have two or three witnesses in Deuteronomy. One witness shall not rise up against a man for iniquity. Gotta have two or three witnesses. But if you will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two, or, or sorry, take one or two more that the mouth but that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This Bible is established. That's that STA free thing I was talking about. God is revealing himself in there, and it's not a secret. And it's established. And it's not going to change. And you can trust in him. So, they're at the Sea of Tiberias. Which is the Sea of Galilee. If you recall, two angels told Mary, Go tell the disciples to meet, or to go to Galilee. Um, I, I, verse was in my other notes and I forgot. It. Go, uh, it was Mark 16 something. Maybe I might find it. Mark 16, I'll find it here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Uh, they were told, Mary was told to go and tell the disciples to meet in Galilee. So they're in Galilee. In fact, they're on boats in Galilee. So you couldn't get any more on the Sea of Galilee if you tried, right? The two angels went before him to show us how he will be revealed in the last days. Two witnesses would come before two, right? God speaks once, speaks twice. So this is, it says, on this wise, would he show himself and I think it's important to remember that no matter what you're going to find consistency with God this is how he says on this wise he shows himself this is a pattern so everything we see in the scriptures is there to give us a foundation and so when somebody comes to you with another idea or another thought or new idea if it doesn't line up with the pattern that God created you have to dismiss it it's not it's not sound doctrine we don't want to be bounced around with every wind of doctrine. We want to be on sure doctrine. Uh, in 1 Timothy, uh, when Paul's talking about receiving uh, an accusation against an elder, he even says, unless you have two witnesses, dismiss it. So it's a pattern. Uh, verse 2. There were Simon, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Canaan in Galilee, Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So there are seven disciples together. It's not all 12. It's not all the other ones. You have precision in Scripture. It names five of those disciples. Why does it not name the other two? Why does the Bible not name the other two? It just says the other two. So two others. I would, I would offer it, Consider that the exact number of every word in this Bible is counted by God. I mean, he had a book called Numbers, right? Think about that. The exact number in your language is exactly the way God wanted it to be. And we don't have that authority to change it. He's the author and is the only one with the authority to unseal. And he's not gonna change it, is he? Because he's sure. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Hebrews to 9 Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey. Hebrews 12.2 Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy was set before set is another word for established, sat before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Psalm 119, 133, order my steps. God's a God of order. Okay, He's not of confusion. Uh, the exact number, is it important that the exact number in your Bible is exactly the way it should be? Here's one that's interesting. The word Christ is 555 times in your Bible. 555 times. Now, what's the number for Antichrist? 666. Isn't that interesting? Christ is 555, and the anti-version he's trying to emulate has got a 666. The word reveal appears seven times. Seven times. Does seven have anything to do with Revelation? Is there any connection there with like seven trumpets, and seven seals, and seven eyes, and seven horns, and seven candlesticks, and seven spirits, seven angels, seven vials. I just think seven just kind of goes in there somewhere, doesn't it? It's also talking about the very last day, which is the Sabbath, which is the seventh day, isn't it? Mystery, 22 times in the Bible. I just kind of brought these ones out because they are an exact number. Why is mystery an exact number? Because Revelation has 22 chapters opening up that mystery, right? So everything in scriptures, and we can go through countless examples, and I would love to do that one day, just go through all the examples of word counts and stuff like that, how God is so perfect, so ordered, that author, not confusion, but of perfection. So that's why it says, and to others. I have no idea what's the importance necessarily other than to say it's exactly precisely the way God wanted it to be. He gave you the name of the other five, He left the other two out for, I'm not sure what reason, but it's exactly the way he wanted it to be. It wasn't because they forgot. It wasn't because they didn't know who the other two were. It wasn't two extras that, hey, we're doing the film set, hey, come over here, a couple extras. It wasn't two extras. It was exactly the way God wanted it to be. And if I could encourage you, go search out words. Search out what the Bible says about revelation or reveal, hidden cover, Knowledge, known, show, foretold, prophecy, study. And then find what other words are connected to that and keep chasing that one down. Because that's a, it can be a lot of fun. If it's not fun, I'm sorry, but ask God to make it fun for you and you will learn so much just exploring the scriptures that way. God said, talked about line upon line, precept upon precept, putting them together, put the scriptures together. It's fun. Simon Peter saith unto them in verse 3, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night caught nothing. They caught nothing. So I think, you know, there's a, a take on this one that says they just kind of went back to their old ways and forgot about it. Well, maybe. And i think in part they were used to that, so there was a a, um, a security maybe in that. But was it really wrong of Peter to go back to the boats? I mean Again, Mary said, go to Galilee and meet Jesus there. It doesn't say where in Galilee meet, and they're on the Sea of Galilee. Peter had very recently seen his resurrected Lord. Would he really be walking away? I don't think so. Consider that he actually spent time with Jesus in boats. As you read earlier, he already had a very similar experience in a boat. What about calming the storm, walking on the water, Jesus preached from the boat, what about all these other experiences that had to do with the boat? I mean, maybe Peter is going to a place where he's going to encounter his Lord. Maybe he's thinking, this is my best chance of, of finding him. I suspect that he was going in the boat, hoping at least in part for another revelation of Jesus. Remember, Mary had told them to go to Galilee to see Jesus. Peter and his fellow disciples are in the boat, so now quite literally on the sea. When was it? They fished all night, didn't they? It was that night, they finished. They fished all night. Fishermen were in darkness. That's actually pretty interesting. They're in night. It's dark. Until Jesus came, and then what? With him, light. He's on the shore. He's the light of the world. He's the light of all men. Second Corinthians four six. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation that light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. John 1, 4, 5. In him was life and that life was the light of men and that light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not john 4 no, not that one luke seven twenty two. then jesus answering said unto them go your way and tell john what things you have seen and heard and how that blind see that lame walk that lepers are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised and the poor or to the poor the gospel is preached so jesus is the light and what's he going to do with that light like he did with paul showed him his faults, and then made him to see. right? He's in the business of revealing himself. The fishermen, they caught nothing. I like think it's fair to say that on their own, the disciples' efforts were not going to be fruitful of themselves. They must be in the vine. Remember John 15? I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches, if you're in me. Abide in me, and I in you, and the branch a branch. Cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye accept, ye abide, in me. John three twenty four says, and he he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Verse four, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Jesus is connected with the morning. He's even called the bright and morning star. Amen? He was risen from the tomb early in the morning. He's also called the son of righteousness. Malachi 4, 2 says, uh, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. But the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. This is a perfect example to his disciples how Jesus has been revealed to us. The Old Testament was full of secrets and Jesus opens up our understanding to them, revealing every mystery by his word and his spirit. They start in darkness and not understanding, and Jesus is there and reveals himself. Remember when they asked him for understanding about the parable of the sower? He told them in Matthew 13 and Luke 8 that it was given to them to know the mysteries, but to everyone else they wouldn't understand. So they were in darkness, and he comes, reveals himself, they have light, they have understanding. I prayed this earlier, James 1, five, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that he give, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given to him. That's a promise. If you want to understand your Bible, ask God for understanding. Say, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to understand this. And will he do it? Oh, will he ever. And then he may make you really enjoy looking at all those words and connecting them together. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of sea driven with the wind and tossed. Do you want to be wi- driven with the wind and tossed? Or on that established firm foundation we talked about? In the same ways the di- disciples don't recognize Jesus yet, it is veiled. To, he is veiled to them because he is still go, they're still going about as natural men, not as those filled with the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians 2.14 But as natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So when people tell you it's hard to read the Bible what they're admitting to you is they don't have they're not asking the Holy Spirit to show them or they're not believers at all because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals those hard things to us. It, oh, he opens it up otherwise it's just another book. That wasn't it. Just written by men, right? Isn't that kind of the stuff you hear when you talk to people about the Bible? Is just, it's just written by people, isn't it? Not, no, it's not. It was penned by people. It was written by God, and not only that, it is God, right? Jesus is the Word. We have now the Old Testament and the New Testament which are the words of God that give us understanding and fill us with the Holy Ghost. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost every day, stay in the word every day. That's how you get filled. That's how it just keeps pouring in through God's word. Is it not? Some false doctrines out there talk about all sorts of other ways to get the Holy Ghost. Things that you should try and practice and if you get yourself into the mood and the mode, but that's not what the Bible says. It says my words are spirit and truth. You want Spirit? Stay in the word. John 6:62 6, and what what and if ye shall see the Son of man ascend up where he was before it's actually a hint what's coming? It is the spirit that quickeneth that means to give life. the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you they are spirit, and they are life, but there are some of you that believe not. that's how you don't understand your bible this is uh this bible is the truth so anything that you see coming through your tv screen or anything you've got somebody telling you or just written in a textbook that says well you know we studied the the ground we studied the animals we studied all this and they're going to start twisting your understanding and saying well now we're going to try and make the bible fit that doesn't work okay because this is true, and this is good science in here. You want to look at it from a scientific perspective. I, I have some people that really respect me when I talk to them about uh, evolution, creation, geological timelines, all sorts of things, because I could do it from here. And, and they go, wow, you actually kind of talk about it with real science. Yeah, because Christians don't have to be only talking Bible talk. We could talk about real science, and it agrees with this. Real science doesn't agree with millions of years, billions of years, doesn't work. This is the truth, and this should be your starting point, Christian. Always your starting point. Don't try and make the Bible work with the men, the flesh, the natural ideas. It doesn't work. Verse 5, Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. Jesus asked them if they have meat, and it made me think, um, there was a time when the disciples went off to get food and Jesus is standing at a well and they come back with the food and he's like, I've got food already <laughs> that you don't know about. He says, uh, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they're like, what? What is that? What is Jesus actually asking of them? Is he asking them for, did you catch some fish? Like In, in a way, yes. But is he digging a little deeper? What's their foundation right now? I just noticed when you go through the scriptures, I mean, Matthew reflectively goes through and says, he did this to fulfill the scripture, but you don't really see the disciples saying scriptures until, except for one time with Peter, until Acts. Jesus ascends up in heaven. All of a sudden, you can't stop Peter from quoting scriptures. Acts 2, he he's keeps going. And even, even before that, they're trying to decide who's going to fill in the position. He's quoting Joel. It's just now all of a sudden, they, their understanding's opened up because of Jesus, and they're quoting scriptures, and that's their foundation now. Big difference from while Jesus is, is, is leading and guiding them, they're still just following him in that, which is good. But then when he leaves them, he gives them the Holy Spirit, gives them understanding, they open up his words, and it makes sense. He reveals himself to them. Jesus says, cast the net on the right side of the ship. What's the right side of the ship? Doing it God's way, isn't it? Doing it God's way, by his instruction, by his word, doing it by his way. You know what else it is? It's the New Testament. When I open up my Bible, what's on the right side of my book? That's the New Testament, isn't it? See, the Old Testament was full of law, which led me to knowing my sin and death. But with the New Testament, what does it do? It reveals God's grace. It shows me salvation. So which one's Stronger. Oh, isn't it stronger to resurrect, to rise again, to beat death? Isn't that stronger? And how many times does the scripture talk about the strong right hand? Thy hand, thy right hand, that outstretched hand, is stronger. And who sits at the right hand of God and who is God's right hand? Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand. Who's that? That's Jesus. Upon the Son of Man, whom thou made strong for thyself. Uh I know, so, sorry. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from the holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Where's the saving strength in our scriptures? It's in the New Testament. The left hand is the law, which reveals sin. But the law made nothing perfect But bringing up in a better hope did, by which we draw an eye unto God. Those Jews, they had nothing but the Old Testament before, didn't they? But now they have a new covenant. They sat down had a meal with Jesus. He gave him a foreshadow of what he's doing. Then he actually died, rose again three days later on third day, and he's about to send into heaven. He is victorious over death, victorious over sin. There's so much more strength there, and it's for salvation. So the fishermen need to stop fishing on the left and fish on the right. Jews today have the Old Testament. And they're blind in part. Romans 11.25 says, Blindness in part has come to Israel. They don't see with both eyes because they don't have their New Testament. They don't have the New Covenant. All they can see is the old traditions, the old law. And what does that lead them to? It doesn't lead them to anything in life. It leads them to death. They need the New Covenant. They need to see the Savior. And they they won't see the Savior. In fact, they're still waiting for Messiah today. He came, right? Now, praise God. God has a salvation for Israel because he's coming again. They got a second chance. Remember I I mentioned last time I preached the the Passover. If you missed the Passover the first time, the second month, you get a chance to do it again, representing the second coming of Jesus. Those Jews are going to get a second chance. So, amen. God is good. So they were casting on the right side. And they cast their four, and now they were not able to draw the multitude of fishes. There's so many fishes. seems the miracle was, at least in part, was performed to inspire and kickstart Peter and the other disciples in the ministry. Right? They're not really doing ministry right now. So it's time to get going. Now, this is an example. Fish with your New Testament lures and, and fishing gear. And go get men. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. It's actually, they're on the water right now. The net that they are casting out there Bible says is the kingdom of God. See Matthew 13:47 to 52 already gave us an explanation of the net that they're using. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered in the good into vessels and cast the bad away that it should be at the sorry, so shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have you understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. And he's giving them an example of that right now while they're fishing. And that net, where's it going? Inevitably, it's not breaking. It's full of fish. It's going ashore. Incidentally, there's a fire waiting on the side of the shore too, isn't there? When Jesus is there, he's got a fire going. So, and that's a scary thought because those who aren't in Christ are going to get tossed into that fire. The other ones get saved in the vessel. The nets for gathering. The net captures fish, heads the shore. The fish are trapped in it. Doesn't matter which way they are swimming. If they're not in Christ, they're going one destination. Matthew twenty four thirty one says, "He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven, heaven to the other." Verse seven in our passage. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, loved said to Peter, "It is the Lord." That's John. John says. John, the, the gospel writer, says, "It's the Lord." He recognizes him. It's the Lord. Now, when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and had cast himself into the sea. Uh, I think he was a little ashamed. I think Peter, who just recently denied his Lord three times, is probably feeling a bit ashamed. Go back to Genesis 2, 2.25. They were naked and they were not ashamed, Adam and Eve. Genesis three seven. They just sinned. They looked at themselves. We're naked. They tried to cover themselves up. Peter just tried to cover himself up. Do you think he's a little ashamed of uh, denying his Lord? I think he is. The good part is, Jesus is going to go sit down with him and show him that he forgave him. So he doesn't have to feel that shame. But he does. He's naked and he covers himself up. Verse 8 And the other disciple came in a little ship. The other disciples came in a little ship. How many ships are there? There's two ships here, two little boats. Why are there two boats? It's the same thing. It's so your Old Testament, New Testament. Your scriptures together to to carry that net, the King of God. For they were not far from land, and I could tell you people, you just have to look at the signs of the times, see what's going on, the the wickedness, knowledge of bounds. I mean, I... I Prepare a sermon, looking at online tools and um, like a software. And knowledge abounds. You could just Google whatever you want and find information. Knowledge abounds, and and wickedness abounds. We're not far from shore, people. We're not far. Verse eight. But as it were, two hundred cubits. What's two hundred cubits mean? Why was there a precise number in the scripture? Telling us it was two hundred. Why the precise number? Two hundred cubits. Because Jesus died and said, I am coming soon. How how far away was he coming? Two thousand years. It's coming, right? We're almost there. Two days. Because what did Peter say? A day unto the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. As far as God's concerned, it's like that. It's two days. In fact, that passage says, and God is not slack concerning his promise. He's not slack concerning his promise because it's exactly right. i, I want, love to walk you through all the scriptures that really support that, but think about it. It's just 200. We're just off the bow. 200 cubits away. It's not far. Okay? And that was for them then. Now, <laughs> we're just about ready to step out of the boat and get on, or if we're in the net... You know, we're, we're getting dragged onto shore now. As soon as they were come to land, the land, heaven, the king of heaven is the net, right? We're on land, it's inevitable. Land is the end, the end of days. And that land is coming. They saw fires of coal there. There was a fire going. Now he cooked fish for them. He provided food and nourishment for them. They didn't need to bring it. For that reason, he was taking care of them. But they already had the fire going. So when they sort through the fish, they're going to throw it onto the fire. So the good fish saved the few. But the many fish, they're going into the fire. Jesus said unto them, bring forth the fish you've now caught. The disciples' job is to go out, be fishers of men, and try and get as many of them for the Lord as they can. Jesus came and spake unto them, said, All power in heaven and earth is give, sorry, all power given unto me in heaven and earth, go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Also in Mark sixteen, he saith unto them, Go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And it seems interesting to me, the, the whole fact that they're on the water, they're on the sea, Peter dives into the water, and then comes up out of the water. Is that something like an ordinance that we do as Christians? Is there any kind of connection there? It's called baptism. Right? In the water, out of the water, coming up. Simon Peter went up. Verse 11 says he went up. I want to go up. Who else wants to go up? Right? I want to go up. Can't wait to go up. Peter himself said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Baptism, this whole idea is like being born again. Right? You're in the womb in water. Water breaks forth. You come out Your new life. Except it's not that easy. And all the ladies here would probably tell you that. All ladies that have been moms are going to say, it ain't that easy. There's travail. There's tribulation and trials that come for birth. So Jesus said, Marvel not, you must be born again, right? But guess what, Christians? It ain't going to be easy to be born again. There's going to be difficulty, trials, and tribulations. Acts 14.22 says, By much tribulation must we enter the kingdom of God. So beware, it's not an easy ride. You need you need to be hanging on in faith to the skirt of Jesus Christ, the robe. You need to be there reading the word of God because you need to put your armor on. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes with the gospel peace, and then you got one offensive weapon, Sword of the Spirit. And you don't put those things on when you're facing the trials and tribulations. You could be part of the falling away. You don't want to be part of that. They were they were great fishes that they caught. They weren't just a bait ball. So it was a miracle, right? It was a pretty amazing miracle. They didn't just go, oh, we just happened to catch a bunch of minnows, 130, 153 of them. It was great fishes. And there were 153. And this is the part that probably excited me most about this talk. And I'm probably going to spend the least amount of time on it. (laughs) But there are different connections in the scripture for 153. One of the ones that I've kind of always sat on was when Elisha was, before he was going to go get raptured. This is an interesting connection there, by the way, before the rapture. Elisha gets raptured up in a chariot of fire, doesn't he? It's kind of a a prelude for us. Uh, Before that happens, uh, King Ahaziah falls through a lattice into the... um, story below gets himself injured and then he says um okay captain take your 50 soldiers go get elijah bring them here the guy goes up to elijah and says hey come here king wants you and elijah's like if i'm a man of god you're gonna burn and pff, fire comes down so as does it again second time does it again same 51 guys also get roasted so the next batch of guys go over there what do they do That captain's like on his knees going, please don't kill me and my men. I'm just sent to come get you. The other two came through and are trying to tell him what to do. This guy comes through with humility. There's an attitude change. And he doesn't get killed. And his 50 don't get killed. That's 153 guys total in that tale of going before him. So there's many who get fire, And there's few that get saved. I think that there's a big connection there. You can fish that out if you want. Pardon the pun. There's lots. Uh, what's did I find? First four books of the Bible. 153 chapters exactly. First four books of the Bible. Isn't that interesting? They add up to 104. Four is the number for the Gospels because you have four Gospels, right? So you see four in the Scriptures. A lot of time it's talking about the Gospels, the kingdom of God which this is what it's talking about. The kingdom of God is like a net. Um, exact number. It's another reason for 153 is because it it's an exact number, right? God is precise. It wasn't like it was a bunch of fish or just a multitude. God put the number in there for reasons, 153. And then you can check out what's the 153rd chapter in the Old Testament and the New Testament and find out how they're well connected. It's fun. You can go check out every Chapter fifteen, verse three if you want. There's a lot of great ones in there that you'll be like, Oh, really? That's one of those? Yeah. Like, um what's the one we did at Wana? First Corinthians fifteen three and four? I have to read that one. Because it's so pertinent. Where did I put it? Should have it memorized. And he did that with oh that's the wrong one. Sue <laughs> do you want to say it loud? <laughs> According to the scriptures. That's right according to the scriptures. That's right, it's the gospel. There's a little bit more than we memorized in Awana. It's a little bit longer, I was going to read the whole thing, but I can't find it right now. Verse 11 continues, and for there were so many, there were a lot of fish there. I believe it's referring to everyone. Everyone's going to get caught in that net, and they're going to get filtered through. The net was not broken. the first time the story happened, the net tore. But it doesn't tear now. See, Jesus came the first time. What happened? He died. When he comes the second time, he ain't going to die. Right? Moses comes down the mountain, two tables of stone, pff, broken. Second time he comes down, they last. They endure. So the first time the net story happens, the net tears. The second time it happens, it doesn't tear. I connect that with all the number twos that are in the whole story all ties together. Jesus saith unto them in verse 12, Come and dine, and Jesus is one who's going to feed us. He's the very bread of God, isn't he? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. We have a banquet we're going to go to at the end of days, isn't it? Isn't that going to be amazing, a wedding feast? God's given us a little taste of that. Pardon upon again. Verse 12 continues, And none of his disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Well, now they know. He's been revealed. Now they know it's him. Hebrews 8, 10-12 says, For this is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law into their minds and write them in their hearts. So right now we got digital and paper copies of our Bibles, but one day, guess what? It's going to be written here. Isn't that going to be amazing? David even said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. Jesus then cometh, taketh bread, and giveth them and fish likewise. I just reminded how he was feeding 4,000, he's feeding 5,000. Jesus takes care of us, doesn't he? And that alone is miraculous. Verse 14 says, Now this is the third time by two or by three witnesses. God just keeps going with his patterns. And all through scripture, he patterns he tells him in exodus tells moses in exodus build the tabernacle by the pattern he said it three times do it by the pattern do by the pattern do by the pattern is god about god of patterns he uses the word pattern in patterns right jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead the miracle of the fish isn't really the focal point of the passage as it begins and ends with revelation each time was miraculous. Each time, each of the three times was a miracle that he, he, he rose again and he appeared before Mary. He uh, came into the, the room through the walls and then said, well, put your your fingers in, that he, kind of stuff. He appears to them in miracles, but the focus is the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the revelation. It's that I am really God and you need to take me seriously. Romans 1, 16 to 22 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteous, righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. "'Showed it unto them, revealed. "'For the invisible things of him from creation, the creation of the world "'are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, "'even his eternal power and Godhead, "'so that, so that they are without excuse, "'because that when they knew God, "'they glorified not him not as God, "'neither were thankful, but became vain in their indignation, "'and foolish. their foolish hearts were, was darkened, "'professing themselves to be wise,' They became fools. In 1 Corinthians fifteen one to 4, which was what I was looking for. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached, which also you have received and wherein you stand, STA word, stand, by which you're also saved, if I keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you first of all that which I received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you have not placed your faith in him, you are without excuse because the very creation around us testifies of this gospel. Everything, the fact that it, we're here right now testifies of God's goodness, his provision, his creation. So you're without excuse and you've heard the gospel. You can swim in any direction you want. But inevitably that net is going to get pulled to shore. When it's sorted out, do you want to go into the fire or into the vessel of salvation with Christ? I'll leave you that. Lord, we thank you for your revelation. Thank you that you are in the business of revealing yourself. For the sharing of your word here this morning, we pray that those things that you've been speaking to us would go deep into our hearts, uh, that this is a revelation that would not just be lost on us, but it would do that miracle in our hearts of transformation, of leading and guiding and pointing us in the direction that you want us to go. So we ask that you would continue that work, that miracle of revelation um, to each and every one of us here in 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 this time and in this week in Jesus name we pray amen